two guys from Milwaukee. Here we go again. It's those two guys from Milwaukee. Welcome to Low Orbits, the podcast mini-sode in which two writers watch some TV. Welcome to Unknown Orbits. I'm Patrick Baird. I'm Steve Reitze. This week we're in low orbits mode, reviewing a classic TV episode from the golden age of science fiction. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. The Invaders from the Twilight Zone. Do you want to give the description of this one? It is a silent episode. Well, there's no dialogue. There's no dialogue, which is not done very often. I can think of another example, which I'll say later. You have an elderly woman living alone in primitive conditions in the middle of nowhere. Obviously, an old cabin. She has a hatchet for chopping firewood. It could have been set in the Old West or the Pioneer days or something. Yeah, big old iron pot and a fire. And she hears a mysterious noise, and she hears a crash, and she investigates it, and weird things start happening around her cabin. She's being attacked by something. The something reveals itself to be a miniature robot, a little six-inch tall robot. I would bet $100 that it was like a common wind-up toy at the time. It looked like a wind-up toy, not the highest level of special effects. So the lady is being attacked and in turn defending herself against this tiny robot. There are other noises and activities and beams happening that indicate that there's more than just the one robot. And it's a very primitive man versus advanced technology conflict you know they're shooting like little ray guns at her or something and she's hitting them with frying pan and yeah. an axe and you know there's that contrast between high tech and low tech so eventually she realizes that these phenomenon and the odd noises are coming from apparently it's her attic she goes up there and she finds this four foot wide spaceship it's flying actually, saucer it's actually on a roof it is the roof okay it's a four-foot-wide flying saucer, and she is at her last thread. She is desperate. She's terrified. And she has her hatchet, and she starts smashing away at it, and she destroys the tiny spaceship with the tiny people in it as they start calling for help. You have a voiceover of them calling back to their home planet, saying, Don't come here. The natives are dangerous. Central control. The ship's destroyed. Incredible race of giants here. Too much for us. Too powerful. Stay away. Stay away. Then the camera pans down to show on the tiny spaceship a tiny decal, U.S. Air Force. Yep, USAF, and it's got the stars and bars. Dun-da-da-da, that's the twist ending. And that's why I don't like that episode. I was wondering earlier if it was fair or not to call it a cliche. It would have been around 1960, so I think, yes, it's fair to call it a cliche ending. It's one of those typical Twilight Zone twist endings, like, that's not a manual, it's a cookbook. Or, third planet from the sun turns out to be Earth. You know, I mean, it's kind of a twist ending. Okay. 
So this is the kind of cheap, not particularly good twist ending that you get from a lot of young writers who are trying to shock their readers and trying to be very daring and coming up with a twist ending to their story. And Can we be kind and call it an easy ending? Yes, that's a good way to put it. An easy ending, a quote-unquote twist ending. But from a writing standpoint, good story twists, whether it's a twist ending or a twist in the middle of your story, a good twist is a surprise to the characters in your story, not to the reader. That's the mistake that a young writer will make, thinking, ooh, if I can fool the reader and do this twist, that'll be really cool. Which, it's possible to do a twist that only fools the reader, but really a better twist is almost always a twist that surprises the characters. So we should not have had the old lady wake up and realize it was all a dream. I mean, an example of a good twist that was of the first kind that fools the reader or the viewer is the ending of Citizen Kane, where Rosebud turns out to be a sled. That was not a surprise to the characters in that movie. It was a surprise to the viewer. It was not a bad twist ending. It recast his motivation it did. across the entire movie. So it, it did something more than surprise the reader. So maybe that's a better way to put it, is that a good twist should do more than surprise the reader. It should, as I said, surprise the characters or change, as you said, change the motivation for the whole story itself or the interpretation. Like Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense is one of the great twist endings of all time because what does it do? It fools and surprises the main character, Bruce Willis. It's because the twist ending is a surprise to Bruce Willis. That's what makes that a great twist ending. It also does what Citizen Kane does, is it changes the perception of what the story was all about Yeah. for the viewer. To sum up, I don't like the Twilight Zones where they use these cheap twist endings, and this is one of them. Even though it's a well-produced episode, Agnes Moorhead, who plays the woman does a terrific job. She was a very talented actor back in her day. For those of you who don't remember the reference, she was the mother on Bewitched. And Dora, that was her character's name, I believe. Yes. And a completely different character in that TV show than she was here in The Twilight Zone. Do I need to convince you that the previous 90% of the show was really, really good? No, because I'll concede that point to you. As I said, that was well done. That was well produced. It was kind of exciting or a little bit tense. Because, like I said, it was primitive man versus technological man. Yeah. And that's always a classic conflict. And they did a good job with that. And the lack of dialogue, not only does it hide the fact that she's on an alien planet and would presumably speak something unintelligible to us, but the silence draws you in. And as the tension ramps up, I think it gives you more of a connection to the character. And that was a fairly bold choice back in the day to do an episode with no dialogue, except at the very end. The only other show I can think of, Tales of Tomorrow, had an episode called The Great Silence. And the silence in it was, I think, just a gimmick. It wasn't a great episode, despite having Burgess Meredith. Well, I will say that this episode is a great example of why The Twilight Zone was such a revolutionary TV show, why it was very far ahead of its time was that they weren't afraid to try things like that, having an episode with no dialogue. They pushed the format 
of television. They pushed the format of what was allowable at the time in TV drama. And Twilight Zone was not just Rod Serling. There were some extremely talented directors and writers. I'm not sure what the structure of the show was. I don't know if they were employees or just regulars, but I'm thinking of like Charles Beaumont. Well, Charles Beaumont, we talked in a previous episode about Richard Matheson, yeah, who wrote not only about a dozen episodes of The Twilight Zone, but some of the most memorable Twilight Zones, Terror at 30,000 Feet with Shatner, The Gremlin on the Wing of the Airplane. That's one of the all-time classic episodes. That was episode 28 of Unknown Orbits, where we talked all about Richard Matheson, but there was other writers like Manly Wade Wellman. Oh, really? He wrote at least one episode, Robert Block. I don't know if he actually wrote any episodes, but I think they adapted a Robert Block story or two. And there were some science fiction writers whose stories were adapted. Yeah. Not by the writers themselves, but were adapted for the show. So high quality, high quality writing. Anything else? I don't know if we talked about this before or not. It's kind of a tangent. Rod Serling, when he couldn't come up with an idea, he would go He stole it from somebody? (laughs) Like Ray Bradbury? When he couldn't think of a story he wanted to steal from someone, he would go on these long nighttime walks through this quiet town that he lived in to try to come up with something. So surprisingly, there's got to be like four or five episodes of middle-aged men who are regretting their lives. Yeah, we talked about that again in a previous episode. That might have been episode 28 as well, I'm not sure. We talked about the whole middle-aged man having a midlife crisis Twilight Zone episode. That does sound familiar now. Which I'm sure came directly out of his psyche. So wrapping it up, I think it's an underrated episode. I don't think it gets as much play as the others. Because when... We were discussing what shows to talk about. I went down the list and I picked it partially because I see so few references to it. Yeah, a good choice. Even though I didn't like the ending, it's still a good choice. Yeah. Anything else? Any other thoughts? Nope. All right, that's it for another episode of Unknown Orbits. This is Patrick Baird. I'm Steve Reitze. Keep watching the sky.